Well, hello. Once again, you have found a Texas Steampunk Connection. Broadcasting to you throughout the multiverse, themeverse, from our various bunkers and airships. With me, as always, is Thax, Gentleman Adventurer. Hello, hello. <laughs> with me is Jack from Steam Chest. Hello. <laughs> and with us today, Master Blue Stocking from <laughs> Steampunk Dollhouse Podcast. So once again, we are here to talk oh, probably about Steampunk, most likely. That's what this is about. Thank you for listening to the Texas Steampunk Connection. And we're back. We are. And, uh, we were just talking about uh, school and uh, too much work and crying. Hi, Rita. Hi, Rita. What's up, Rita? Here every sometimes time we're we, here. Sometimes we make decisions that seem like a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> they, sometimes they don't feel like it later. No worries. Jack, how have you been the last two weeks? It has been stupid. Of course, those of you who do not know this, I'm, I'm in the uh, insurance business, so doing a lot of things with insurance lately. Mainly claims, because apparently people... Tornadoes and insurance go well together, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. You're entering yeah. catastrophe season. That it just happened right before our last episode. And so yep. you get to see the uh, fallout. Well, anybody who wasn't touched by it can, has forgotten by now. Yep, exactly. The 19 homes that were completely obliterated out in my area. No. Wow. Two of them, Cody's classmates. Oh, so, no. Yeah. Yeah. That's been, that's been uh, a thing. We've been doing all the local stuff, trying to help them out. I was actually out there the same day, uh, helping them haul out all their furniture that survived and uh, or didn't survive, depending. So that's fun. Uh, but yeah, large amount of community outreach has happened. I'm very happy with my little town. Ugh. Good, good. Yeah, we had some come real close last night, but they stayed just north of us as they usually do so where we are in denton proper we we may we're in denton's kind of a bowl so we're right in the center of town so we get really lucky nice but yeah uh, wasn't that lucky for some people around here but that's the season yep all right well everybody this is travis one of my hi. good friends hi <laughs> slash pseudo business partner <laughs> yep, pseudo business partner as always i'm always in the shady dealings with with somebody and uh about every couple of years we pop up together trying out something randomly new and i've been forced to what's the right word for it take part and be part of his uh be his rat and his uh psychological maze in which you got me in with your with your one of your current projects that we'll be talking about here shortly and it's uh, fun which one i said it's oh. it's 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 fun, man. Come on. You love it. <laughs> <Yay>. Yep. <laughs> ah. Cool. Now, Travis is a game designer. Is that right? Partially. Uh, the writer slash game designer, both amateur. Um, I built uh, recently built a children's uh, board game creation system. Um, and that's what I'm partnered with Jack on. We're also working on a, an actual steampunk RPG. Um, yep. It's a kind of goes in a different direction. Normal RPGs, uh, I'm cutting down character build time, uh, trying to minimize um, minimize ease, I guess you'd say, uh, because sometimes RPGs kind of are naturally too in a way. If you're if you're um, a 
a game master. It's like it's, it's too easy sometimes to to just say, okay, well, yeah, yeah, that works. Yeah, yeah, that works. Okay, yeah, you hit that person. You know, because you try to be nice. You're trying to be nice all the time. So um, the the goal in the game that I'm building is is effectively use opposition rolling so that we can um, effectively put the onus on the dice itself. So the you know the game master doesn't feel like they're being mean if the they fail something. They, they the person doesn't feel they're being mean because you know they. It's like oh, it's so basically, you're you're trying to turn, you're, you're trying to give all of the liability and stress off the DM for making these calls <laughs> and getting them away scot free and blaming it on the dice. I exactly. See I yes. see. see, I've never had a, a DM or a GM that wasn't a bastard. <laughs> it always, yeah. which always made the games so much better because it's like, <laughs> oh, your character has now fallen in a. A hole. Cool. Now, in this hole, there are some man-eating hyenas. Get out of this hole. And see, like, like you roll to try to get out of the hole. Well, your character grabs onto the edge. Oh, you've got them on your feet now, and you have to kick them off. You know, there's another roll. Oh, you're starting, you know, the ground is starting to break. You're starting to fall again. So then, like, there's a root. You grab on the root. Of course, you do the Indiana Jones thing. The root goes out, like, 18 feet. You, like, fall halfway down the hole again. And so it's, like, always, like, Every, and then, of course, if you get out of the hole, well, there's the dragon you were running away from to begin with now looking at you. So it's always that, like, <laughs> it, it's the, yes, you've, it's, it's the out of the frying pan almost continually. And so I, I love that. So anything that makes that easier for GMs to kind of give that rolling action of, of feeling like you're in an adventure Indiana Jones style, I guess, like, there's always something else. Oh, you just got away from the trap. And you turn, and now there's a whole bunch of natives. Now you're being chased by the natives, and then all of a sudden you hit another thing, and now there's a ball chasing you out, you know, whatever. And oh, now there's an anaconda in your in your lap in the plane that you're getting away in. So well, I think that's uh, that's what a good DM should do. I mean, he's yeah. letting you get away, and he's then putting another thing in your way after so that. But another yeah. thing after that. Um, so you're getting your little victories. But there, he's not letting you off scot free. Yeah, he's not letting you off the hook completely. You got, you still got to fight for your victory, and you got to fight really hard. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing how Travis pulls this off. Um, we we haven't talked about that one a whole lot lately, which we need to get back into again. Yeah, that, that's. Uh, I, I was writing a. I, I was writing an actual novel uh, based on it, where it, I developed the characters with uh, Jack's assistance and started. Working through the storyline, and then um, I, I've never written steampunk before, so I sent it off to Jack, and I asked him. I said, "Could you read this so I know that I'm kind of like getting it right?" And then I, I bounced off to another project, and Jack never got back to me. So <laughs> it happens, life, man. Send it to me again. We'll go. Well, I'll I'll hammer it through. I'm I'm, I'm in a you. better place when it comes to reading. You are blamed. But uh, call me out in front of everybody. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me just drink some more over here real quick, so I can handle the the social uh, the social crushing feeling here. Did you say drink? Mm. Oh, we did. We didn't. I do say that a yet. segue. <laughs> That's how we call, we call bridging here. Or our our, our <laughs> library can explain this concept. <laughs> well, what are you drinking, Jack? Ah. Uh, so this is really cool stuff. I think we've probably talked about it before. It's Saint Germain. It is a Bach flower liquor. Oh. Wait, wait, wait. Am I get that right? Elder, elder flower. My bad. Not Bach. Ah, Bach. okay. Completely different thing. No, elder flower liqueur. And 
it smells delicious first off for those of you who are going to sit there going elderberries this is not elderberry this is an elder flower so it is very it's unique go find some drink it it's hard to explain it tastes like liquid flowers <laughs> and uh, very in honey it's delicious <laughs> i'm just trying to picture what, what flowers would taste like <laughs> so, <laughs> All right. I was right. going to say yeah, okay. Let me, I, uh, let me let me give a little kinda... caveat to that then, because obviously there's a lot of flowers out there that would taste pretty nasty, um, and like earwax and whatnot. But now this is like if you took honey locust or any type of like this not thistle. Um, what can they come up with? You know those little flowers where you take the pistol out and you like get that one little honeysuckle? drop. Honeysuckle. Mm-hmm. This is honeysuckle oh. liqueur essentially. It is freaking okay. delicious. Oh wow! Clearly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> This, this stuff is the stuff I'm now carrying to conventions when I get there. Uh, first off, the bottle is freaking fantastic looking. And it's real glass, but it's thick glass. So that you could actually ha- hold up in a, a bag pretty well. And uh, it's something I can actually find right now, unlike my Slovakian um, uh, Tatra tea, which, well, with everything going on, there's no way to get that anymore here in the United States. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Unfortunately, it was already being canceled out of the United States prior to everything happening over in Ukraine. But um, yeah, no, that stuff's I can't like I can't drink any more of that because it's now collector's items. Apparently, <laughs> do you have any left? Yeah, I have like three or four bottles. I so keep I keep going around it. Austin looking for it, and I'll just keep asking <laughs> random liquor it? stores. <laughs> I'm hoarding it. I'm actually get like my brother's the one that I I actually hoard it for because I ha- I give him a bottle every year for his birthday. And he's like, "Where are you finding this?" I'm like, "Oh man, the liquor stores are find this stuff," which actually would be a really fun steampunk adventure. We need to probably think about that one. Just randomly <laughs> wander into a liquor store. So you're hoarding liquor like like to- like it's toilet paper right now. That's basically what you're doing. <laughs> I can't no find it that quantity, or else it'd be. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he said the magic. He said the magic words for tax purposes. He is giving it as gifts. He is not selling it. <laughs> of course, we would know this. It's me. Ah, oh, that's what I'm drinking. And that's... something I heard on the radio. Uh, I am drinking a Guinness Stout. Mm. A good old standby. Um, as far as stouts go, it's it's pretty mild and and uh, simple. But it's got a lot of uh, memories tied up in it for me, so I like it. I, I heard on the radio today that there is expected to be a uh, shortage of barley for beer. Oh Uh-oh. no! Because uh, like forty percent of it in the world comes from Russia and Ukraine. Mm. So uh, we just cut off our beer producer. Expect our beer prices to go up. Yeah. Well, damn. Between that and fertilizer, yeah, we're gonna have a yeah, lot of problems. Yeah, I heard about the fertilizer then. today. Me. We really? Do we import me our fertilizer from? The solution is me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Which I live in a meadery town. The fertilizer thing is weird. Apparently, that we're not. We make most of our own, but ever apparently, I guess every nation imports some from them. Yeah. Not like it's not like no. There's no one nation that depends on them solely for fertilizer, but yeah, they do have a healthy export globally on that yeah did some research on that and reason why because permafrost actually does is a wonderful way to break up materials so then it melts and then it just 
molds over terribly because it's all broken down from a, you know being frozen completely for so long. So that when it does thaw in the summertime, it is literally just super biodegradable, and the and the bacteria and the mold and the the fungus can get in there and just easily break down stuff. So producing like mass manure and mass um, like whole forests just basically turn into bogs, and they just basically scoop it up and ship it. Yep, it's really easy. Yeah, it's right there. It's I mean, easier there's... than growing potatoes. <laughs> well, but if you use the fertilizer, won't potatoes be easier to grow? Yeah, except when they freeze solid. You gotta be careful. <laughs> True. <laughs> potatoes we'll hold best over the over the winter time as vodka. I was gonna say you you do not appear to be drinking your regular red wine. No, it's um Shiner. It's what I had on hand because I made um mac and cheese this weekend. I have a beer a beer mac and cheese recipe that I use. Ooh, I just drink my beer with mac and cheese. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, I do that too. It in there. I never thought about that. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really good. I can send you. Fax looks very excited, so I will send you the recipe. It's got bacon on top and all. Just yeah. Like we've said before, we need to just make a steampunk cookbook. cookbook. <laughs> Somebody surely has done that by now. I, Things yeah. that Fax would eat. Things that Fax won't eat. <laughs> God, Travis, this is one of the things do. we do on each show. We we start drinking. Uh, so that that's what we're doing here. It looks like you've got a Coke over there. Yeah, yeah. I, I by the time I actually uh, remembered that I was be doing this this evening, um, I, I like half the day I kind of forgotten about it. Um, I've been watching shows and playing games and such. By the time I actually got to this point, I'm like, oh crap! Jack just sent the message. I was like, oh, oh, Coke, yay! Woo! Good standby. Oh, standby. Like <laughs> Something you can no longer get in Russia. <laughs> yeah, no good, right? Well, they're probably <laughs> you could probably still get it. It's just it's just going to be the knockoff. <laughs> it's not the same since they take the cocaine out. It's potato. <laughs> <laughs> I found a steampunk cookbook and I just tossed it into the private chat. So there you go. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. I knew I'd heard of one before. I just couldn't remember where, but it's it's really old. But yeah, there is one out there. So cool. Yep. <sighs> we'll have to judge it. <laughs> yes, we'll have to judge okay. it next episode. So let's get back to this steampunk RPG. Aside from it being uh, uh, heavy-handed on the dice rolling, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even with the DM on my side, the the dice usually want to kill me, so I'm a little scared. Um, what? Tell me more about like the the setting and uh, that sort of thing. What you're getting at? The setting, um, the original setting that we're starting out with, is just a world that I created. Of uh, essentially, we developed a portal system where um, we opened a wormhole accidentally when we were trying to screw with uh, uh, negative energy. Um, a lot of the negative energy experiments that um, Eagleworks is doing and people like that, they're they're kind of like figuring out wormholes and they're in, in such right now. So anyway, we create a wormhole and um, for a while it's stable. And the guy that developed it and found this land, um, he kept it open for an extended period of time and people were moving back and forth. It was colonized and everything. And then all of a sudden he just goes completely crazy and just shuts the portal down, destroys all of his nose, removes everything that tells how to, you know, target the planet that they're on. And um, now this colony is completely, you know, isolated. So 
because they don't have the support of all the manufacturing facilities and everything that we were, you know, providing them through the portal. Now they have to redo it all and have to kind of build up a base for themselves. And um, lo and behold, they find a product when they're mining, when they're trying to like mine for new minerals and such. It's um, it turns out to be an excrement of a worm that digs through the earth. Anyway, after so many years of, uh, I guess you'd say chemical evolution of this product, it, it turns into a mineral that generates its own heat. And the more pure it is, the higher the heat generated. So effectively, it, it, it's it's a perpetual heat generation system that can go on for you know like a thousand years, kind of like nuclear power, but not as dangerous. You know, it's a safe the poop non radioactive non radioactive plutonium. <laughs> Yeah, non-radioactive, uh, but it does kind of the same thing where it just spits out heat for you know, years and years. Anyway, so that spawned like everything in this world is now steam powered because you had this abundant resource that people could keep, people could harness, and now you had this rock that was giving off heat. You didn't have to so use clean coal, essentially, <laughs> basically. Um, you know, and, and worms we trust. Well, that that's that's how it turns into a steampunk setting. Is it was tied to us, and then it got shut off, so they had to redo everything, becoming um, a steampunk setting, effectively. Okay, so this sort of a an apocalyptic event cut them yes. off from uh, in a way, yes. modern modern world and, and modern technology and resources. Yes. And now they've had to uh, re-engineer for the resources that they have. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I tried to make it more of a realistic, uh, kind of like a, um, a, a scientific realism as much as possible. But anyway, so the role-playing game started, like the idea came from um, this game that me and Jack were talking about earlier, is the Build Your Own Board Game Adventure Game Edition. And what it is, is uh, you know, for kids four to eight, and you get with your, you get together with your children. You sit down and you actually build like um, board games. And it, the reason why I said it's the adventure game editions because it, it's all about building an actual adventure game. Where it, it's not necessarily a competition in a way. This is games that are you know you can change up the adventure every time you have it, and it's something that you can build together. So it doesn't have to be something that you're competing against each other because we all know. Like young kids in Monopoly rarely mixes very well because they, <laughs> they tend to cause more fights than you can possibly. Just like, oh, you're cheating. No, you're doing this wrong. You're. It's just, I, you know, I, I kind count? of. Yeah. They, they... <laughs> well, after playing through it and creating our own, um, it can be as easy as Candyland or as difficult as Monopoly, depending on. <laughs> But the thing is, is the game would grow. Like you can make a, a really simple game for a four-year-old. You know, roll the dice, move the you know, move the character across the board that you you create, and then you can say, okay, well, first off, that's cool. You roll the dice, and so many dice rolls, you get to the end. Or, oh, you landed on a purple. Now you go back, or you go forward. You can add the dynamics that getting into it. Then you like as that goes along, as the kid gets older, you can now throw storyline in. Oh, you landed on a purple. That means this is now a consequence or happens. Uh, your character does this. Basically, you're teaching them an evolutionary step into role play from basic, a basic board game that you started. 
and will grow with the kid. I like I like the concept. It works out really well, and yeah. it gives the parent enough direction that you don't have. Like your imagination is is you know it's limitless depending on your imagination, which is also kind of a scary thought too. Like, well, where where's the boundaries? Do I stay, you know? So this actually gives you good step by step of like what's important for game the game to go forward and where it can expand. You can and after going through it two or three times or playing it a couple times, you're like, well, this is now getting a little a little little stale. Let's let's add some stuff. As a, as a parent, you'll be like, no, okay, here we go. Let's do this now. And the kid's like, oh, this is a thing now. We're changing the rules. But uh, it makes it really easy to just do it on the fly. And I think that's exceedingly important. Yeah, that sounds so, really cool, actually. Thank you. Thank you. I greatly appreciate that. Thank you. Where does one get a copy of this Build Your Own Board game? Glad you asked. <laughs> because you can pick it up right on Amazon. Right on Amazon. Uh, I, I, we, yep. me and me and Frank both ask anybody that has a, um, a, uh, what do you call it? A, uh, sorry, Kindle Unlimited account. If you can take five minutes out of your day to go over to Kindle Unlimited, it is, it is free on Kindle Unlimited to read. And uh, all you got to do is just page through it, take a couple seconds on each page, page through it. Even if you're not interested in building it, even if you don't have kids or anything, I'll just help us out. Uh, give us a little bit of momentum because the more you, the more people that read it through Kindle Unlimited, the higher it goes on the sales figures. Like I've sold uh, four copies total, uh, both in sales and in Kindle Unlimited, and I'm already number 257 in uh, juvenile activities books. So the higher I get on that list, you know, the the more. Uh, I guess you'd say the more traffic you'll get. Yeah, the more, more, more traffic yeah. you'll get. More high, so, you'll so pop so up bad. more in an algorithm. But uh, even then, the link I mean, it's not expensive. Track. Getting the book, you can get it in hardback too. Um, yeah, or well, soft cover. Yeah, throw a link yeah. in it. So, there's the there's the link for the the uh, Kindle, and let me take it to the get the link for the soft cover. And there's a link for the soft cover. It's the same page, just one tiny little button over. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate you. Ah, sure. Yeah. We're here uh -oh. for. Wait a minute. Uh -oh. Try that again. Tell me I had an error. Oh no, it worked. It worked. Okay. <laughs> Technology. Get up the whip. Get up the whip, facts. Don't tell me I have an error. <sighs> it's like, oh no, you landed on a purple square. Now Uncle Fax has to take a shot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a great yes. <laughs> Honestly, you could cre you create a really fantastic drink. drink. <laughs> drink. <laughs> Definitely. I don't know. Designing the game itself is actually its own adventure to begin with. And then playing through it is also different. And then sitting down and going, well, what could we do different next time? Is it's almost it's you can you can build stories this way. You could actually easily do quick and dirty, sturdy line. Okay, we mean clean because you're children, but um <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean it, it's it's off the off the cuff. You just sit down, you throw out the board. You put the little character icons down that you've come up with, and it takes no time at all. And I think that's one of the more important part of this is that you can literally pick up where you left off. It's an it's an awesome storytelling aspect. I've actually been considering sitting down and talk like reading The Hobbit to my kid, and it would be almost really easy to use this game as a kind of a step by step what what happens to the through the story, even just as a placeholder thing. I mean, it's I like the dynamicness of of it. And the fact Thank that you, you get to that create your own board out of whatever, <laughs> you're welcome. Like, like I, I like, like the in, idea in the that thing, in, 
So I like that it invites kids to create the game they want to play. Yeah. It, it, it just it, it gives them permission to start making things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's one of the that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to break through with Jack because I know the steampunk community is really big into makers and a lot of yeah. makers into the community and it, this is a do-it-yourselfer kind of a do-it-yourselfer beginning guy you know it's like mm-hmm. okay this is for this is to get to get little little kids into do-it-yourself stuff you know yeah. like here we got our Manila folder we got our pencil we got our our couple dice and now we we built our entire board game and now we can you've got adventures and now we can play different adventures every you know, so uh, it's kind of a that was one of the reasons why I wanted to work with Jack on this because of the steampunk community is a maker effectively. Yeah, I can already see people who like have done this out and they like create their own boards out of like wood and things and come up and just like unload, you know, unfold it out and lay it out. Like, let's do this. Well, something else you might. And consider. there's not really enough. Sorry, I was going to say going? something. No, something, no, you're good. Go on, go on. Something you might consider is talking to your the public librarians in your area about your book and about because mm-hmm. i mean <clears throat> they love story time they love play time at the library they have kits that kids can check out that you know inspiration and imagination kits so if you talk to the local library about getting your book into it i mean every library is different with their collection processes but you know they might be able to utilize it for you know, and things like that thanks that'd That's be awesome. another way to spread the word that's awesome thank you very much for that recommendation We've just discovered a very rare bit of audio from former Prime Minister Winston Churchill. Let's have a listen. I, Winston Churchill, wholeheartedly believe that the Clockwork Cabaret is the finest example of steampunk radio programming. Never before have I heard anything quite so marvelous, and I doubt I shall ever hear anything like it again. Calpurnia, continue on your journey broadcasting your marvelous music and sail on to glory if you would like to find out more about this program please check out clockworkcabaret.com or clockworkcabaret.podbean.com or follow us on twitter at clockwork cabaret that's c-l-o-c-k-w-r-k cabaret rex <laughs> sorry i'm being invaded at the moment <laughs> i had to close the door so i wouldn't be invaded my cat or my dog either one Oh, that's something new. Just kind of offshoot here while we're talking about animals. I got a new mm. dog. Aww, what'd you get? So, yeah, she is a, I think I may have talked about, I thought we may have talked about this, but it could have been in that one that didn't work. That one, oh, I don't her think Facebook yeah. kid. Uh, yeah. So her name is Rayla Thrace Von Riddick. <laughs> Oddly enough, part of that name I did not come up with. And she is a, um, uh, Slovakian German Shepherd. So she doesn't have the classic uh, like police dog look. She is more like a black and tan mixture all over. Uh, but she is definitely German Shepherd. Aww. And uh, they are they are she's really cool. She's like as of yesterday a, a year old. We had some friends that were deploying and they couldn't take her with her. Deploying because Aww. of, you know, the current political vi- environment. So we took her and uh, she is, she has been fantastic, and likes to sleep on the bed, which is something new because Wolfie was not one to want to sleep on a bed. He was one that was, uh, I'll be up here, and then I'm gonna go lay in my kennel because I like my room. And now she's just like, <laughs> no, I want to sleep between you guys. 
Right. She needs the comfort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah, I, that, I that's remember you telling me about that. Yeah, I got to I'll meet her. Later. It was a month or two ago, I think. Mm-hmm. And she was already enormous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, not even finished growing, I don't think. But I can't imagine having any bed space with her there, too, based on my dogs and how they like to push me out of the bed. Yeah, <clears> spread <throat> out. She likes to, she, she's a, she's a turd. So right before you start to like get to bed, like you're standing next to your bed, you're taking off your glasses, you're putting, you're taking your phone out of your pocket, you're laying it on the nightstand and she dives <laughs> onto the bed and dives right in your spot and looks up at you like, hi, you're going to sit right here, aren't you? Like, I can't get in bed now. She, she's like, I'm in your way. Yeah. So fight the dog. I don't know that too. Board game or something. No, you don't say facts. <laughs> this one's little. This one's handleable. I've got a, I've got a larger um, uh, Basset Lab that, yeah. Once, once I put him in the bed, because he can't jump up by himself, I have to put him in the bed. So I'm, I'm signing up for whatever I get. But uh, then, yeah, he he lumps right over to where I'm trying to lie down, and I have to push him and roll him over. So I can have some sort of space to, to get in bed at all. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. He is a very lovey dog. Rita's right. Aww. Yeah, this is Sunny. She's our puppy. She's she is precious. about to turn two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and much better behaved than my cat that just had to be removed. So. Good girl. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, awesome. Awesome report. Thank you, Travis. Uh, very cool. You have more. I don't want to. I don't want to shut you down too early. Uh, no. It, well, there's a depending on how successful this is uh, depends on how far we go with it. Like I, I have a. Um, I've actually developed a, a card game development system as well. Um, the card game is Galactic Scouts versus the 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 one that that, that I'm using to to build around uh, to build the the book around building the card game is called uh, Galactic Scouts Trek and Field Day. You have uh, like nine kids, and they're all Galactic Scouts, and you have uh, nine different events that they have to participate in, and then you have nine different tools they can use to give them um, one of three different skills, right? Like uh, speed, strength, and balance, okay? Um, Like what – just kind of a little thing, like say – me and Jack were going back and forth, and I had a hand – I had my hand, and it was my turn, so I put down – I'd put down an event card. I'd put down the balance beam, right? So on track and field day, they have to go across the balance beam. Well, if he doesn't have a character on the uh, plate on the board that has the ability to actually have balance, then he's going to be unable to complete the challenge. So I get a point. And, um, but what he could do is if he has a card in his hand, it's like a, a, a balance pole where you could hold the balance pole and if he a balance of plus one. Well, he could play that card on top of his character, and now he can complete the event, and he gets instead of me getting Okay. And, uh, you okay. play through the entire deck of all your characters and all your events until, you know, at the end of, at the, at, after you've gone through your entire deck, that's when you tally up who has the most points, and then, you know, whoever has the most points. So, it, so you have like just, a... I haven't done this up yet. I, I'm. He's like, you have more. Yeah, I have more, but I haven't written it down. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a book of it. <laughs> I've actually played a game similar to that, and I liked the whole idea that you have like your character cards, 
and they had mission cards. So the mission cards would be turned over onto the table. And like, well, complete this mission, but you need a captain and a radio operator of a certain level, like plus one or whatever. Yeah. And so Very and I have my yeah, I have my captain and my radio officer and I have a, a plus one radio. And so I can play those three. I can play those two characters and that to complete that mission. Oh, but here comes an interrupt card. Here comes some ninjas from the other team or from the other yeah. guy at the other side yeah. of the table. And now I got to have to defeat the ninjas before I can complete the quest. And this would that, be a card game for like six year olds. So yeah, <laughs> no ninjas. <laughs> There's always room for ninjas. Always room for, for ninjas. ninjas but ninjas. You know, the, the interrupts and the, the interrupts yeah, and yeah. the draw. <laughs> the draw oh, cards. oh. <laughs> I've been playing Uno with, with uh, Cody. Oh, and, oh no. Uh, Yes, the vitriol that is coming out in my child from uh, skipping him and like, yeah, oh, oh, the, 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 the political alliances they get made and destroyed in a literal twenty-minute, you know, time frame. Yeah, I try to avoid that with my game systems. I try to avoid that, you know, that that, that, that political conflicts. Uh, you know, I'm more my along kid the lines is of, finally starting to get old enough for that thing. Prior, I would not have tried that. He wants to be on a team. Like Minecraft's always been on a team. Yeah. Any type of thing is always teamwork, teamwork, teamwork. And then all of a sudden, like, no, we're going to play. You know, Alex likes playing a game called uh, Thermonuclear War, and it's you know card game. And if you get the same, you slap it. You take the whole the whole deck or whatever it has got. To, and he is he was so butt hurt. From losing over and over and over until finally you could just see the determination in there. But uh, it's a little bit like yeah, it's a little bit like Sapjack. There's some more rules that make it random, and you have to like play with like so many decks of cards. So it's this huge ordeal. I will eventually whittle down and lose. Uh, I'm not good at it, but I do like the fact that I'm watching my kid get and want more dynamic games, and uh, and wants to confront me more. Like I told him with chess. <laughs> He, he watched The Queen's Gambit. He was like, I want to learn to play chess. I'm like, all right, but I'm not going easy on you. I'm going to win. And the moment you beat me at this, the moment you beat me at this game, you have won. You're done. We're, we're going to never play again. And he's just like, this weird, like, calculation in his head. But I mean, yeah, he is out there to beat me. We play, I pull it out every couple of weeks. I don't, I don't try to do it, like, every night. I don't give in to that whim. It's got to be a special occasion. We pull out the, you know, the chess board. But, uh, he almost got me once because I wasn't paying attention, and uh, he was being smart. He was like, "You want another beer? You want you know, like we want we want some chip?" I'm just like, "You little bastard!" <laughs> All right, my kid's going. My kids. My kids figuring out the meta game. He's learned the tactic of distraction. There you go. Yeah, chess. I know how to play chess. I don't know how to win chess. <laughs> There is a difference. I mean, I can I vaguely understand the rules. You got to take the red one pieces and jump over the black and white ones. (laughs) Not checkers. (laughs) So it's a new type. You put all of it on the board. Backgammon pieces too. Got to roll. See how many checkers I can play. I can rock some checkers, but chess. No, I've had multiple people try to teach me how, and uh, not my game. That's what I need. I need to like a just, just go to like Steampunk November and just like randomly challenge people to chess and checkers. <laughs> the chess master has arrived. Sorry, sorry. Are you trying to bump up our numbers by watching at the same time? 
Not on purpose. <laughs> the heck did I push? Okay. Uh, uh. We good now? Yeah, Am I gonna go again? Did you bring any homework? <sighs> My homework? I brought. I brought something exceedingly steampunk. It's called uh, elderflower liqueur. <laughs> I recommend it. <laughs> what you're drinking doesn't count as homework, usually. <laughs> what? But if that's all you can muster up, and that's the best you can do. <laughs> it's been it's been it's been a week. I actually wanted to talk about hats a bit. I kind of wanted to get a little into that, so I, I can give you the five minute ordeal of my hat. No, that sounds like a that sounds like a, a topic we could really you know get into. I tell a you topic. what, yeah, let's hold on on that. Um, it's about eight forty two now, and uh, I wanted to get into since. I think we are coming out of COVID, uh, hopefully, uh, knock on wood. I think we'd like, I need to get into, you know, upcoming events and our calendar uh, oh. because we haven't been able to do that for like the last two years. And it was, it used to be something we uh, jumped into at the end of every show back in the olden times. So <laughs> before I arrived, started derailing everything. Before the blue stocking times. <laughs> back, back when we were just uh, uh, a podcast radio kind of thing, and uh, Flavio and yeah. I and uh, Erica uh, did the show, um, we, we had a calendar full of stuff, which I don't know if it's full of stuff right now, but uh, yeah, there Jack, are it was going on. You. A few things uh, that you know I could touch on, let everybody know. Uh, let's see. Most things in Houston. Houston seems pretty pretty hot right now, uh, but I'm sure you guys have seen uh, posts about the steampunk ball mm -hmm. at a place called Space at Will off of Commerce Street in Houston. <clears throat> it's a 21 plus event. That's uh, it's, it's uh, supposed to be steampunk, and uh, a local band out of San Marcos is playing uh, the Intergalactic Space Corps, <gasps> and. Uh, they got dance performances and uh, other uh, entertainers and stuff. Um, man, I, I looked at this; it looked really cool. And then I saw that their admission, their tickets for admission were like eighty dollars. Oh yeah, I heard about that. And a lot of people were like, "Wow, wow that's a that's a that's a it's bit much." Which is to say, me. Yep. <laughs> well, events are, events are notoriously hard to make money on. Um, yeah. If you if you don't have sponsors, you're not going to make any. Like I, I have a I have like three friends uh, that are promoters. Uh, one promotes boxing, one promotes MMA, and um, another does live music. And all three of them, every uh, all three of them say the same thing: if you don't have sponsors, you will not make money promoting events. You will always either lose money or you will break you. Period. Do not ever expect to make money unless you have sponsors. And that's pretty much the reality of it. Um, so I can understand an $80 ticket price because the, the company needs to, it, they're going to need like any event venue you're going to go to right nowadays is going to be like $10,000 and $20,000 for a night, right? That's just, and that, that's just like, that's a decent sized event hall that has amenities that you can do stuff in. Um, they're going to be cheaper places, but those cheaper places are like not going to have bathrooms. They're not going to have electricity or they're not going to have X, Y, and Z. There's reasons why they're cheap, but a regular freaking venue 
that you've got amenities and you can actually do stuff in, you're going to, you're going to start at like six, $7,000 a night. And mm-hmm. if you don't have a hundred, like if you don't have a 500 people RSVP right off the bat, you need to be able to at least cover some base costs, you know? I mean, and we're not talking about how much drinks you order or how much food you're, you're intaking because, you know, at an event like that, there's no telling whether you're going to have a lot of people drinking because, you know, <clears throat> there's no guarantee if they, the people that are in the steam park in that area are drinkers or if they're not, you know, like, you know, in the sport of boxing, people in, that watch boxing usually like to drink beer. So you, you can kind of guarantee that you're going to sell beer at a boxing. You know, it's pretty much standard. You're going to be able to sell beer, right? But at a steampunk event, no one may be beer drinkers. Or there may be a few beer drinkers, but not that many. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So effectively, yeah. that $80 price tag, while it sounds bad, is reasonable. I mean, it, it really is. It also depends on like how much entertainment. If there are two bands, I'd say it's pretty stiff. But if you're getting two, three, or four bands, I'd say it's almost a deal in a lot of ways. Because it'd be like I'd spend twenty bucks to go see to go see any one of the steampunk bands for a ticket. Um, but that's kind of why I'm I really like steampunk Novembers. I don't really have to do that because there's like three places for music all day every day. Well, yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking. Steampunk Steam November, November, like a day ticket. A, a one-day ticket is not, is what, how much was it last year? $35 or something. $35, yeah, for a, a full-day event, you know. How many okay. people do they oh, have my... going to it on a regular basis, though? That's true, though, a couple thousand. Like, yeah, if you're talking about a couple yeah. thousand people, then that's a... That's easy, You're yeah. looking at six, $7,000 every single day coming through the door. And they're not paying for uh, site fees because it, they own it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, but they're paying liability so, insurance and and electricity. They're, they're paying yeah. a little bit. Of, they're paying a little bit for <laughs> the hope. insurance. They're paying a little bit for the uh, the the taxes and such. But ultimately, you know, that's six, six seven thousand dollars that most of it's going to be going into their pocket. And that's yep. that's when you're that's when you're really doing well as an event coordinator when you have your own venue. You don't have to worry about all the overhead. Um, so sorry, that's just my <laughs> two cents. No, no, I, that's Oh, you're good. <laughs> it's some of that. It's some of that Navy time coming back to us, huh? <laughs> I still feel like that price point is is uh, really limiting how many people are going to be able to show up. Oh yeah, well, that and the gas prices right now, oh, and the fact God. that Houston's an hour and a half from Houston. <laughs> <laughs> like the moment, you're like, like that sounds fantastic. Guys in Houston, oh yeah. Which side of Houston? Yeah. I'll do the next really day. Uh, the territories of Houston is having an April steampunk brunch Ooh. at a cost of whatever you buy at Denny's. Ooh. So, is it Denny's? Uh, yeah. Hey, get it, man. Steampunk Denny's. North North steampunk Denny's. So that's, you know, you can make a weekend of it. So, you know, go to the steampunk ball and then go to brunch at Denny's, Denny's the next day. <laughs> That's All right, guys. We're going to do a steampunk Waffle House visit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, then next Friday, no, not next Friday, the 22nd. So that's two weeks Friday. The Surreal Garden at Zilker Botanical Gardens is Wait. not necessarily steampunk, but it's sort of a weird psychedelic art installation at a botanical garden, which is by default sort of Victorian. 
yeah. think I think you could easily show up in your finery and uh, have a good time. And that's going. That's starting uh, April twenty second, Friday, and that's uh, let's see, Friday and Saturday that weekend, and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday the next weekend. Cool, interesting. That sounds kind of fun. We may have to see about figuring out if we can go out there that. And that pretty much, as far as I know, covers everything happening for the rest of the month that I've found <laughs> so far. Um, April's because, a weird time. There's not a whole lot of conventions happening in April, usually. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's because it's spring break time. Spring well, we break. Just, and, just yeah. finished spring break, and uh, the Easter holiday is coming up, which really uh, takes up a lot of the, uh, the, the space for doing things. So, yeah. Yeah, the event should start to kick off again up. in May. Oh, Ooh, fun stuff! Got got a lot of got a lot of school going on in this in this channel. <laughs> I feel like I need to go back to school. <laughs> Look at my series seven. Uh, I have nightmares about going back about being in school the first time. <laughs> I like it because after I figured it out, there was a pattern to my life, and like as long as I do the pattern, I can pass. And I get to clock out of reality for two months before I get to clock back in and then just beat my myself over the head for three or four months and then I get to clock out again. Now I'm now there is none of that. I get two weeks. I'm just like, how is this how 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 where's the break? There's no way I could I can't take a vacation and have Christmas on two weeks of, of, of PTO. It didn't work. I don't know how that's people do it. A, that's what happens when you get a grown up job. Yeah. <laughs> Which hopefully I'll be doing soon. What kind of grown-up job do you want? Oh, I'm getting a. I'm gonna end my GRA position as of the end of the summer semester, and I'm I'm, I'm going for a real grown-up librarian job because I have my MLS, but I'm not a librarian. I'm not a librarian I'm employed as a librarian. I, I do so. librarian. I get stuck so. reading books all day. My sister's actually doing that right now, but she's a she's a librarian assistant. She she went from uh she went from being um an oncology pharmacist to being a library assistant. Oh, that's a calming a, job. <laughs> is she a medical librarian or no, no, just, it's just a regular, regular library. Assistant. She, uh, I think because she was an oncology pharmacist in Anchorage, Alaska, it was, there was a lot of stress oh. involved in her job. I would imagine so. So now that she's uh, free to like retired effectively, she's got like, uh. kind of her own little mistake. Um, She's decided, well, there's always something that I working around books is always something I've loved doing. So let me let me go be a librarian. And she is now a librarian assistant. So I, I understand the appeal. I get it. So good luck to you, Blue Stocking. I hope you uh, I hope you get your awesome library. <laughs> me too. Me too. I have a friend who's a librarian at the uh, big Austin Central Library, and uh, she's been looking to to uh, move up and she's found it very uh, competitive, getting into the, the the higher echelons of library dumb. Yeah, the only time people move out of those jobs is when they die. Public <laughs> librarianship is it's yeah. I mean, it depends, and it depends on what track you go into. If you want school librarian or public librarian, or I'm going for academic. I want to do colleges and universities, but yeah, it can get depending on where you are. It can get super competitive, real competitive. You know, it's. People want to be librarians, but then, you know, they, they get us in and get us out of library school. And then, you know, got to figure out where the jobs are. So which is why hopefully I'll get the position that I want at my library that I already work at. But I won't well, know. Yeah. For... You got your foot in the door already. So 
Well, we'll see. That's, that's the thing that I can't really talk about yet because I don't have any details on it. But as soon as I know, I'm going to tell everyone as long as it's good news. <laughs> <laughs> if there's any voting involved, I can figure out a way to bump up your numbers. Nope, it's all about the budget. Oh, those numbers. Yeah, that one's yeah. a little harder to bump up. Yeah. Well, they really? at least yeah. going you'd, to you'd, have a, you'd have a little trick or two to bump up those numbers. <laughs> Unfortunately, at the moment, inflation's beating my usual way of doing it. Wasn't that long ago you were telling me about having two sets of books and something or other? No? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you see, first off, we don't talk about that on screen. (laughs) 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 I might get drunk around you. No, no, I hope not. As the door flies open and SWAT comes in. In unrelated news, I got my tax refund. It was not nearly as big as I was hoping. It never is. Yeah, we still have to file I just have to say congratulations for getting something back. I didn't know anything. Finally, those stock losses paid off. Oh, man. (laughs) Right off all those those capital losses. Still still holding. (laughs) Okay. Well... I guess I need to start uh, letting everybody know how awesome our patrons are over on Patreon. Uh, I'd like to thank the Dowager Duchess Claire Bear, Jenny and Ryan Shaver, Kitty Vincent, and Rita and Lawrence Allen, who are watching the show right now, uh, for helping us keep the lights on. They're over there on Patreon. Uh, And over there, you can find a copy of the calendar that I've been keeping and adding the few events that I've listed tonight on, and will continue to be adding events to as I find them. So uh, thank you guys, you are awesome. Uh, you can find us at uh, Texas Steampunk Con- at, on Facebook, at Texas Steampunk Connection, if you're not here already. Uh, you can email us at Texas Steampunk Connection at gmail.com if you wanna tell us something or, you know, make any suggestions or tell yeah, us what you think of us. One way or another. Uh, our podcast can be found at Texas Steampunk Connection.podbean.com. And uh, thanks to Blue Stocking, we're on Twitter at TX SteamConnect1. Thanks, Jack. We're also uh, on YouTube and Rumble through his Steam t- subscription box, which is awesome. And our music comes from zapsplat.com. Uh, this has been uh, Texas Steampunk Connection. The last hour you've been listening to us. Thank you so much. Does anybody have anything parting to add? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank for, you, Travis, thank you for, for coming You're in welcome. and telling us about your multiple books. Uh, I, I loved hearing about the building uh, a board game with your kids. We're going to link that in the uh, in the comments. Oh, we already did. That you can find on Facebook, and I'll link them in our uh, podcast as well. And it, the, the steampunk uh, RPG that you're writing, that's not out yet, right? No, it's not out yet. Sorry. <laughs> Looking forward to that uh, when it becomes public. That, that'll that be awesome. Uh, thank you. Very cool. Okay. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in. Uh, we'll be you. back here again in two weeks on Tuesday night. Until then, mind your gauges. Gauges. Mind your gauges. Mm-hmm.